welcome to Whiskey Unscripted. This is series two of the world's best whiskey podcast show. And is that claim is absolutely valid because I know on the other end of the line I have got the world's best whiskey pundit. It's Gordon Dundas. Gordon, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. I like whiskey pundit. I've never been called a whiskey pundit before. I absolutely like that. Thank you very much. I wouldn't say I'm the the world's best at all um it is just a product that you and i have a lot of passion about which is why we are here doing whiskey unscripted season two welcome to season two and i thought we would try and do the video to video podcast now ladies and gentlemen can i just say what that actually means is i get to look into gordon's eyes i get to look into this sauna and i'm currently looking into the famous sauna which is the shed that you you broadcast from, I think it's the word at the bottom of your garden. And um, Gordon, it is looking, it's looking fine, the old sauna. It needs a bit of tidying. It needs a bit of tidying. Go to the our YouTube channel, Gordon. We've got a whole way of getting in contact with uh, listeners and downloaders. And one of the ways is the YouTube channel. And we'll put little clips of every podcast up there so you can see. Like, for example, yeah. today you can see my whiskey shelf there. There's the dartboard and there's some... Um, quite interesting golf clubs and some smuggling kit from the 18th century. But yes, that's what you would find in most standard saunas, I think, which is uh, which is quite interesting. You're looking quite hot today, I have to say. Have you got your uh, swimming costume on? <laughs> uh, can I just say, I'm, I'm going to avoid that question. Um, when we start season two, I'm very excited about this as well, because season one was a fantastic, um, you know, we kicked into the dark and see what happened, and it worked out great. So... Could we reset for the second one and just explain who we are, what we're trying to do, what we're trying to achieve? Yeah, look, I mean, for those who haven't come across Whiskey Unscripted, it really is, a, you know, it's a, it's a, I don't know the best way to describe it, but, it, you know, we, we, just to give you a little bit of background, we obviously work for Ian McLeod Distillers. So we, uh, we, we, we can bring a unique element to a podcast in terms of, um, you know, a, a, a production, a look into how we make our whiskey, um, which, which gives people some great insights. But it's not just about us. It's about the industry as a whole. We will have some great guests. We will have some great interviews and we will have some great features because Gordon loves a feature. On the great guests, I've, I, I saw John Campbell on television. Ah, oh, John, there's, there's, there's the ah. big manager that you interviewed in episode five or something last season. Yeah, John's a good friend of mine, and he's a huge, huge advocate of his of Lefroig and uh, and Isla and all the things that are wonderful about that part of the world. So um, yeah, no, good, good guy, and great to have John on. And we'll have other people, you know, on in season two that will be interesting and bringing a different dynamic. And as I said to everybody, you might learn something, but you should be entertained. Is what really matters. And although we are uh, work for E McLeod Distillers with some wonderful whiskies, we do talk and we're allowed to talk about other whiskies because every whiskey has got something to talk about absolutely and and on that what are you drinking gordon that was the link <laughs> as much as yes well i have um been doing a little bit during the summer during the break um trying to get a little bit of golf in but that proved impossible but some online whiskey tastings which was really quite good fun and mm-hmm. um i came across where is it now the I thought for season one, Ben Romach. I'd have a go at the Ben Romach 10-year-olds. Nice. Lovely distillery. I've been up there 
and um, I know Keith, the distillery manager. Yeah, nice guy. I know Keith too. Yep, yep. And this is just that slightly peated Gordon. I love it with sherry casks and that slight yeah. note to it as well. So you got a lovely uh, richness of taste and a little peakiness as well. So I'm sampling the 43% Ben Romach 10-year-old. And it's a great, great brand. Great, great family-run business as well. They've just rebranded Ben Romach, actually. They made it look very different to what it was before. And great whiskey, produced the right way. Great people, great choice. So that was the Ben Romach 10, Gordon. What were you drinking? Well, I've got a, a little sample of Smokehead Rum Rebel here, which is our new release and, and uh, something we brought out this week, actually, for Rum Day. Uh, it's Smokehead's a wonderful peated Isla whiskey, uh, heavily peated Isla whiskey. And this is, a, this is finished in a Caribbean rum cask, and it's got that lovely sweet style to it. It's a beautiful beautiful whiskey uh brilliant packaging as well it's a whiskey which i think uh really shows that single malt is not can be something completely different it can be something that is story-led it can be something which has a, a real attitude which i think smokehead is really stands out in the world of whiskey so it's really saying if you want to drink it drink me drink me if you don't that's fine go and drink something else that's uh, is, is there any rules um guiding finishes in whiskey Oh, that's a very good question. Um, I, I always thought there should be, but I don't think there is. I mean, I, from what I can remember, I remember a, a whiskey I used to sell in a, in a former life was, I think, finished for longer in a wine cask than it was matured initially. So th there are no rules for finishes. So a finish can be uh, as long or as short as you want it to be, depending on what you're trying to create. And they were, really came in probably in the the early 2000s, Glenmorangie, Glen I think, was one of the first whiskies that brought in lots of finishes. And, uh, um, and that's sort of where the sort of finishing style came from. But generally, you see finishes will start with a lighter style of maturation, maybe an American oak bourbon style. And then you might move into a sherry cask finish. It's like putting the cream on top of a dessert. Uh, so, so, yeah, it, it, it's a fundamental way of changing the way a whiskey tastes. Um, but uh, depending on what you're trying to achieve, finishing is a very legitimate way of making great whiskey too. So as long as the base products are good and the base flavors are good, then uh, you can make a great whiskey that can be finished as well. Now, got, got lots of features. If you've never come across whiskey unscripted before, the idea is I do like a feature. You know that. I love it. I know you do, yeah. Love you love a feature. We've got the A to Zs of Scotch whiskey, which is still running from Series 1. We'll come yeah, back. Yeah, what, what? I think it's M. Are we on M, are we? The Judy Dench of the whiskey world. I think it is M. Um, we'll come back to that next week. We've got Insider's Guide. We'll get yes. we'll, we'll drop in every so often on a, a person within the industry that's got a fantastic job and we work out what's what exactly goes on in that job. So that's running as well. But every week you have a wee look at the news. Anything yes. caught your eye, Gordon? Well, well we've, yeah, we've been off for about a month or so. And obviously in that period... Uh, the first thing that strikes me is um, these tariffs, which we're up against in the United States. And um, we're uh, on a 25% single malt tariff, which, um, you know, it is difficult. It's, 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 it's challenging in the, in the context of where we are in the world with COVID, uh, where we are in the world with, as a result of COVID, the on-trade being very much suppressed in, in large markets. And now, obviously, with tariffs as well, it means the U.S. has become a challenging market. And, and I think the one thing that annoys me 
about it is, although they're legitimate tariffs from, from an American perspective, and it's all to do with, I mean, there's tariffs on bourbon in Europe as well, let's remember that. So you would like to think that ultimately they will disappear. But, um, you know, it's big business. It's Airbus and Boeing that are affecting small businesses like us. And I, I, that, that's what really gets me about this, particularly in what's going on in the world. So they've just been announced that the tariffs will hold at 25%. They were thinking of increasing them, which is, I'm glad they haven't. But what was really noticeable was that we're now 33% down on exports to the U.S. as single malts. So, so that's significant in a, in a time where we are challenged by so many other macro issues that you just would like to think that these guys would really think of the bigger picture here and just go, look, we'll cut the tariffs for your products coming into Europe. We'll cut the tariffs for your products coming into the U.S. This is a big business thing. Let's let's punish them or let's deal with them. Um, but clearly, it, the world doesn't work like that, and it's just very annoying that it's the smaller businesses that get affected. And that's one of the the largest markets, not just for ourselves, but for most, I would think, Scotch whiskey producers, America. And that's a third. Yeah, it's, yeah. A third, down. A third down. Um, with in in probably, I think they've been in for about in place for about a year now. So. A third down, um, and the same for, let's not forget, bourbon into Europe as well. There's been a tariff on bourbon into Europe as well. Uh, tit for tat, you know, legitimate tariffs from the World Trade Organization from an American perspective, but you just think, really, is this really what needs to be going on when we're all suffering from COVID? And you forget the other thing, of course, there's a lot of American people work in Scotch whiskey as distributors and salespeople in it. You know, it's not helping them either. So it's, an, you know, you just think, let's just get this sorted and, and come together. Anyway, that's that. So the tariffs are being held as they are. Um, the other thing that I think is great is it's great to see distilleries opening. Yes. But, you know, Glengoyne's been shut since March, um, and we've now got distilleries opening, not just Glengoyne, but other distilleries around the industry opening, which is great. And uh, uh, I know the team at Glengoyne have worked really hard to get Glengoyne open and allow you to have an experience of Glengoyne at the distillery and be safe and go home with a bottle and enjoy the whole day. So um, a full marks to the team there and uh, with uh, Stuart and Sarah and uh, Karen and, and, and all the Colin and Jennifer and everybody have done a great job um, there. It's really just keeping everyone safe, but having a good time as well. And can I just add on to that, Gordon? Uh, last Saturday, I um, trialled the online experience. If you can't travel or you're self-isolating, but you like a whiskey, or you're abroad in Europe somewhere, you can now do um, these online experiences. And yeah. Saturday with the Straven Whiskey Club. And we're going to get whiskey clubs hopefully to pop up and have a chat with us over the course of this series. But the Straven Whiskey Club were the guinea pigs that... Uh, oh dear, right, okay. I should say endured the storytelling experience, which really is the story of Glengoyne from the early parts of the 18th century right through to the present day, written by myself. Uh, two hours, five whiskies and about four laughs. Sleep. You're cracking up. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so that was well good. done, well done, sir. So these things are happening as well, not just ourselves, but there's a lot, a lot of online experiences going on there. So, any other news, Gordon? Yes, you? there's one more thing that I think merits a mention, yes. which is probably one of the biggest releases of whiskey in the year. Was a Bowmore which came out um, a couple of weeks ago, which was the Bowmore Aston Martin Black Bowmore release. Uh, Twenty-six bottles, fifty thousand pounds each. 
This is a 31-year-old whiskey. Um, I think it's Black Bowmore release number three, which they which they have released again. Um, and it's a, uh, I mean, this is an iconic whiskey for this distillery. Um, some of the most sought-after whiskey in the world. And a mere £50,000 a bottle. Beautiful bottle Ooh. in a piston of Aston Martin. So a nice collaboration. £50,000, mm, maybe not. But, uh, there's, uh, you know, I'm sure you'll probably put yourself down for one. <laughs> I just wondered where you are going to go with the piston there, Gordon. I thought, that's a bit rude. I've got a bit of news. During the week when I was off, I um, realised that there was a movie, hit Amazon Prime, and... Mm -hmm. It's called Scotch the Golden Dram. Uh, so it goes worldwide, and it's an hour and a half homage to Scotch whiskey. And our very own Robbie Hughes is in the movie. Oh, dear, they must have been scraping the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> and you mentioned Glen Morangie, but the, the wood finishes. Bill Lumsden mm. is in there, and the who's who. Uh, Richard Patterson, uh, Charles McLean's in there as well, and of course... Uh from the Claddy talks about the, the rebirth of that distillery. Oh. So it's quite a, a, a lovely movie. Fantastic. And have you got a clip? I have indeed. <laughs> so this is a clip. This is an actual official trailer from the, the movie. And could I just say thank you very much to Parkland Entertainment and Munro Films for permission to use this clip. But just sit back and enjoy a little clip of this Amazon Prime movie as a homage to Scotch whiskey. Nosing a whiskey is like getting to know a person. You put the whiskey in the glass, you bring it up and you say, hello. Ireland's got a very rich heritage. And we've got eight world-class distilleries supporting the community that way as well. Scotch whiskey has such an emotional connection. It really is the heart and soul of, of Scotland. Mm, 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 mm. Jim McEwen, the whiskey man of Isla. He's forgotten more about whiskey distilling than I'll ever know. Jim devoted his life to whiskey. You are beautiful. Brookladdy, the bomb was there like the story. When Brookladdy died, the community died. I came through the gate and I think, you've just made the biggest mistake in your life, Jim McHugh. Within two weeks, we recruited the original team. All the guys are standing around, waiting for Bufladi to live again. Duncan used to be the assistant manager of Bufladi. When I made the whiskey, he made it the story. Made more comebacks than Frank Sinatra. This was still making whiskey exactly the same as it was in 1881. He is living, breathing Scotch whiskey. He personifies what it is. You did something that nobody else did, and that's inspiring. That's a good drop. Well, there we go. Clearly what... Clearly, what's interesting is that Robbie didn't make the trailer. <laughs> um, Richard Patterson, I heard in there. Yes. I heard, I heard um, Bill Lumsden's voice. I think I even heard Georgie Bell in there. He's a good friend of mine. Yes. Um, I think the other 
thing I'd just like to say in that is that there was a gentleman mentioned in there who's a gentleman called Duncan McGilvery. Now, Duncan was Brooklady to the core. He really was the uh, sort of iconic. He really was a wonderful gentleman who loved Brooklady and worked closely with, uh, you know, the team there. He unfortunately died earlier this year, and uh, you know, he really was a wonderful gentleman. And just to say that, you know, Duncan, um, you 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 really were Brooklady, and you, you will be sorely missed. Yeah, he comes across as a great anecdote with him. And Jim McEwen takes him to Chicago. Uh, yeah. and I don't want to waste the film, though, that was a really amusing part of the, the movie there. So yeah. that um, um, is a, a very sad, but what a, a legacy. He's like, yeah, no. really. Absolutely. I think, I think that's great. Another film, and I know, I know we've got some to go through, but another film that I would, and I don't think it's in your list that we're about to talk about, would be The Amber Light, which is Dave Broom's film, which I think you can get and have a look on on Vimeo. Um, another great sort of uh, look through Scotch whiskey through the eyes of the people that make it, the people that sell it. Dave Broom, one of the most respected Scotch whiskey journalists. Uh, is that your phone? Can you hear that? Yes. <laughs> that is a phone call. Uh, I'll have to call. Uh, have to call her back. Sorry about that. It's all live and unscripted. Unscripted, but that almost sounds like the phone call or the phone tone from Twenty Four. I thought it's Jack Bauer standing behind you there. Gordon. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, no, no, absolutely no. Um, that was that was the reception from the office. So obviously uh, something something going on. I will call her back. Um, of movies. You just mentioned one there, uh, a documentary. Another one, of course, documentary there. David Heyman did Scotch, the story of whiskey. But what I wanted to do uh, is just have a quick gam gamble through Scotch uh, whiskey movies, and I come across this article from the Whiskey Advocate: Ten Great Movies oh, for Whiskey right. Lovers. So it's not just about documentaries, it's if you love whiskey. And of course, the one that was filmed at Glengoyne, 2012, the Ken Loach movie was The Angel Share. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Great film, great film. I think for people who maybe aren't Scottish, it may need an element of subtitles and bits, but a wonderful film. Uh, one of the best films about Scotch whiskey, for sure. About a, about a, a young guy who finds he has an ability to nose and understand whiskey which is a great it's a great great film for sure and then, uh, charlie mclean's in it as well very good he's very good in that movie yeah see and um they ken loach filmed the exteriors at glengoyne but couldn't get the light correct at the visitor center so they went up to bow blair bow blair's where the malt mill distillery was but the instant instant um the next one 1940, I've not seen this movie, but it stars W.C. Fields, uh, The Bank Dick. And the reason they have W.C. Fields in this movie is because he is probably one of the greatest whiskey drinkers of the 20th century. He really established whiskey um, in his comedy and really pushed it around the world. W.C. Fields, with one of his great quotes, Gordon, was, always carry a flagon of whiskey in case of a snake bite. And furthermore, uh. always carry a small snake. But uh, so that's a, a, a movie when he's always getting the word whiskey into it. The next one is 2014. It's an action comedy starring Colin, Colin Firth and Taryn Egerton. It's a spy spoof based on the Bond movies. And it's oh, Kingsman, is it? Kingsman, yeah. And there's a fight yes. sequence in which they pass around a, a, a Dalmore Sinclair 62-year-old. Ah, yes. They keep on passing the glass to one another. Um, mm. 
and it sold for 25 grand in 2011. So that's in the movie there. This is the Whiskey Advocates top 10 whiskies. I think just, just, just to say, just to say, Gordon, I think the sequel to The Kingsman, yes, um, which came out probably about two or three years ago, I think Glenn Dronach did a whiskey that was, that was called The Kingsman or was in that film or was right. part of that film. I do remember that, I think. But anyway, carry on, sir. Absolutely right enough. This is one of my... One of my favourite movies, and it is great if you love whiskies. Lost in Translation, Gordon. Now, you are a man that knows your son, Tori, been to Tokyo, um, and it's about Bill Murray doing an advert in Tokyo. Do you remember yeah, that? It, yes, it's a wonderful, wonderful film. Uh, and I'm, I'm a big Bill Murray fan, so... Um, uh, but it's a, it's a really, really great film, and in terms of... Uh, you know, he was talking about Hibiki and that Hibiki was in the film and it's a really, really, uh, really lovely film. And if you've never watched it, I mean, it, it, it's more about the relationship um, between him and the Scarlett Johansson character, which is, which is great. And uh, strongly, strongly recommend you see that one for sure. With whiskey and another one with uh, whiskey in it was Skyfall 2012. Uh, Daniel Craig, Javier Bardem and a 50-year-old McAllen. Yes, yes, I think think they drink it just when he's, yes, I remember the scene where they're going to drink it, it seems to be amongst some some rubble or something I can remember, and they pull out this 50-year-old McAllen, which is very James Bond, I guess, in terms of its, uh, you know, exclusivity, I guess, um, but uh, yeah, no, good film, I wouldn't say it's a whiskey film per se, but good to see whiskey. Any whiskies in on TV is 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 a good thing for sure. Absolutely, I believe in the books he was more a single malt fan than the vodka martini we all know from the movies. But just quickly to round us off, this is Whiskey Advocates Ten Movies for Whiskey Lovers: Thunder Roads, nineteen fifty eight, uh, True Grit, the original ah. and the remake in twenty ten. Obviously, Rooster Coburn loves his uh, rye whiskey, and there's bourbons in there as well. We finish. Gordon, try and guess this one. The first big hit for England's Ealing Studios, an isolated Scottish island. Oh, whiskey galore. Whiskey galore. Now, interestingly, I have a friend of mine who remade this whiskey, this, remade this film. And it was remade in probably three or four years ago, uh, up in the west coast of Scotland, and it had Eddie Izzard in it, and it had a whole load of actors in it and you can still watch it and it's a very good remake and uh, I, I remember one of the interesting things about it when he was talking to me about when they did it and you know he, he did it he was the sort of director or producer on it and he did a really good job was that obviously this film is about you know obviously the ship that hits the hits the hits the rocks and and the the islanders hide the whiskey and they're drinking it very very what's the word not responsibly i guess back would be the way to look at it and and what i remember he was speaking to me about uh the film and how he wanted to get some brands involved with it but the problem was obviously with the fact that it was not responsible drinking and all that sort of thing it was difficult for brands to get involved so so he uh he, he got around it and he produced a great film but it is a it, it, you know it's a legendary legendary film and if you've not seen either of them definitely go and uh, definitely go and see them. They're great. I've not seen the second one, 2016. And just my little notes for it, the whiskey that was on the boat came from W and A Gilby, who owned ah. Half Mill in Nokando, up in ah. the side. And Nokando is right next door to Tamdu. Correct. Good stuff. 
So in the next series, not next, in this series of Whiskey Unscripted, a few uh, features. Uh, one or two of the features I'd like to just tickle today. And Gordon, mm. could you help us out with this new feature? Could you launch my new feature of lists? Everybody does lists. I'm sorry, it's a bit of a bandwagon, but I was going to jump on it. But because we sort of own distilleries, I thought I could just drop the D, put an L there, and we just call it a listillery. Right. I think every week or every time we do this, we could have a listillery. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I like it, I like it, I like it, Gordon, I like it. Go with me in this one. I'm bearing with you. Today's listillery, could you put together a oh. list of questions or points that you would need to have if you walked into a whiskey shop and pass yourself off as an expert? Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I think I think the key point is here is um, if you're walking into a specialist whiskey shop, so wherever that may be, that could be Park Avenue Liquors, which is in New York, very great special shop, or Astor in New York, or um, um, there's a few other things you could do. I mean, obviously, Royal Mile Whiskies, Whiskey Exchange, these kind of shops, there's some really talented people in there. Who, Sorry, Gordon, I'm just typing this up for the list. Sorry. Sorry, <laughs> um, who who know what they're talking about. And I think what's really important to understand is the best actually way to look at look as an expert, if you want to, is, is have an idea of what you actually want to get out of your experience. So are you looking to buy a bottle? Probably. Have an idea maybe what you're looking to buy and ask the right questions. And then you will, you will look as a knowledgeable purchaser. I wouldn't say an expert, but a knowledgeable purchaser. So ask the right questions. Ask great questions. Give us a couple. Give us a couple. I'm looking for a lightly peated, fruity style whiskey. Um, so, or you would maybe ask, I tell you what, I'm looking for a gift. I'm not, I'm, I'm looking for a style. I'm not looking for a region. I'm looking for a richer after dinner whiskey. Um, I mean, I think, you know, one of the things I have is a big, if you go into a lot of specialist whiskey stores or you walk through travel retail, whiskeys are either aligned by style and taste or they're aligned by region and for me regions are not a, a driver to, a, to to style if you know what i mean regions are geographically interesting but from a whiskey perspective they're now less relevant to what the whiskey will be like um there's a few exceptions to that but lowlands are generally lighter uh, islas are generally peated across the scale but not all of them but in, in the Speyside and Highland regions, which is where you get the most diversity of whiskey, you can get whiskies of any style pretty much these days. So, so I wouldn't say I'm really looking for a Speyside whiskey because, or I'm really looking for a, a Highland whiskey. Because the difference between a Glengoyne in the lower Highlands and an old Pulteney in the northern Highlands is night and day in terms of style. And isn't, so therefore that region has such diversity. I think specialist retailers understand that. Um, and so for me, it's asking the right questions, being prepared to also go outside your comfort zone. So if you are always a Glenfiddich drinker or a Glenlivet drinker, and, and, or you, you know that somebody's a Glenlivet or a Glenfiddich drinker, but you want to get them something a little bit different, then say that, tell the, tell the person that information. Well, they're normally a Glenfiddich 15 drinker. Now, the Glenfiddich 15 is a, is a little bit of a, got a sherry influence in it. It's called 15-year-old Solera. So... 
there may be a whiskey that they would recommend from another producer which you can then say i bought this for you um, it's a little bit different to what you normally have, but you should absolutely love it. And I think that's where people really engage a little on another level to, you know, as a gift, for example. So I think, I think, you know, the key point is it's not how you look. It's not how you talk. It's not your sex or your gender. It's got nothing to do with that. It's your interest in whiskey, what you're trying to get out of the experience. You know, it's, it's ask questions. It's like everything. If you want to look intelligent in a, in a, you know, ask the right questions. You'll be good. That is the definitive list there. Uh, have a plan. Have some questions that you can ask. What's it for? Do you know what that is before you walk into the shop? And uh, tell them what you drink already is a, a, a great uh, point there as well. So I'm hoping. Yeah, I mean. Is, would you rub it on your wrists and smell it like perfume? Would that, would that make yourself look like an expert? No, I don't think so. No, I don't think that would be a... It's not something I would recommend you do in a shop uh, to try and make yourself look knowledgeable about whiskey. I don't think you need to do that. Um, you know, I think if, if I was, if I was the, the sales assistant, the retail assistant, I would say if somebody came in and go, the, the four questions I would ask is, what's it for? I.e., is it a gift? Is it a... When, what style of whiskey are you looking for? When would you be looking to drink it, i.e., you know, are you looking to drink it after dinner or, you know, uh, in the, you know, as a sort of more across the, the time zones of the day? And what's your budget? You know, what, what, what are you looking to spend? And that, that, that even that narrows down, the, uh, narrows down the huge diversity. So I think there's lots of things that you can ask. But, um, you know, I, I, like everything, you learn from people who do things on a regular basis and these guys are selling these ladies and gentlemen are selling whiskey to people on a regular basis and they live and die by what they do so if you sell somebody the right product they'll recommend you to somebody else they'll come back they'll buy something else if you sell them the wrong product they're not likely to come back to you so that's why they're so important brilliant that is our first list in the listillery series of series two of whiskey unscripted gordon well done and i would love to check a, a whiskey shop out do you think we could yeah, we could go to a whiskey shop. Yeah, I don't see why not. I think we should. What we should probably do is, I think, would be a good thing to do is speak to a, speak to one of our our many fr many friends in the retail uh, arena and get their view and, and we'll we'll thicken that out in a in a in a in a in, a, in, a, in an episode to come. Because we can we can now the world is opening up a little bit. You, we can yeah. you can go into these places. We we've got the technology to walk in, Gordon, and record ourselves and. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how it would, how it would sound through a mask, but we'll give it a go. Give it a go. You can be in charge of the whiskey. I'll be in charge of the light snackage. That uh, you can also. Okay. That's another important part of the, the story is what snackage. Absolutely vital. Vital. You know, this is these are the very important questions. Scampy fries with an Isla whiskey. <laughs> is that right? No. Oh, yeah. No. They work quite well. Um, what's it's with no whiskey? Yes. What's it's go with nothing? No. So then that, that's crispage, but um, no snackage is a good good point, and you know, um, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well done on the listillery there. We've actually created a listillery. Um, that passing yourself off as a whiskey expert that's in the book, Gordon. Another feature is going to be brand new for this series is the gazetteer of Scotch whiskey. Um, oh. It's nothing less than Gordon and Gordon's uh, Scotch whiskey gazetteer of the world. Something like that. Is it possible to look at countries of the world and work out 
who's drinking Scotch whiskey, where they're drinking it, how they're drinking it. Of course, I think that's a, that's a really good idea. And I think we should do quite obscure countries. So, for example, um, we um, sell quite a lot of whiskey, as, as Ian McLeod Distillers, into Myanmar. So we could, uh, we could look at Myanmar's whiskey culture as much as we can from probably no more than the internet or our insider knowledge of the market and bring you some interesting points of, uh, of how that market is important. India, the biggest whiskey market of them all, really, really interesting. How do the West Coast Canadians drink compared to the East Coast Canadians? There is a difference, trust me. Even in Taiwan, a place that I've lived, your people who live in the north in Taipei very different culturally to the south down in Kaohsiung. So, you know, and maybe between a Sydney cider in Australia and a person who lives in Alice Springs. It sounds Quite a lot of difference. Sounds great. The idea came to me because we're chatting to our friends in Belgium and they were noticing a, a cultural shift a little bit with the young people drinking uh, yeah. and drinking it long. So uh, just a finish of a, a peek yeah. behind the curtains there. Gordon, we're going to head to the end of this. It's almost a taster of what's to come. But we have got new channels. I've mentioned the YouTube, Instagram. I'd love people to go to Instagram and mm. is out there and talk to us there. And we're doing it now fortnightly. Yes, I think I think we've you know we've got fourteen, fifteen, I mean award-winning episodes. Um, so we've been uh, in the podcastawards.com. I got an email from them, and we have been nominated in the most rambly podcast category. It's actually the most rambly podcast that you're probably not going to actually learn very much from uh, category, uh, which I think we're absolutely honoured about. I mean, I think what 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 is good that they've recognised the amount of time and effort and and preparation that we put into every single episode to be that rambly is is great. great. Um, that is that is fantastic. Great, Gordon. Thank you so much for your time. Today on our first episode yeah. of season two of Whiskey and Script. It's, it's great to be back. It's great to be uh, broadcasting again. And we look forward to our next episode. Uh, so everybody keep in touch with us on Instagram. Thank you for the support and messages that we've had. And the, uh, the random messages I've had from around the world as well. Just to say very quickly, I've had a, a very good friend of mine who actually works in travel retail in Melbourne, currently locked down. Uh, said she's loving the the um, the podcast. I've had a message from three or four people in America saying it's a fantastic podcast, um, and, and it's been really really interesting to listen to uh, you and me, which uh, is very complimentary. Yeah, it's been really positive the feedback we've had. So it's that's why we're back, and we're really interested to hear anybody's thoughts on what we can talk about. So thank you to everybody who li- who listens. Great. And my last call is we're going to have to get the theme tune sorted out, Gordon. We need somebody yeah, well, with talent out there to uh, give us permission to play their music. That's what we need. I, I think that's true. If anybody has any music that, 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 that they would happily lend us, we don't have a lot of budget for, uh, for our music. In fact, it's called None. So um, if anybody has any music that they think would suit our whiskey unscripted and the rambliness of it, please... Send it in because this is terrible. <laughs> On that note, Scotland Bass, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, students.